let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and thank you for joining. Today we are going to talk about the world of mobile. And for that we have, for the second time, a guest from the GSMA. So let me introduce you today to Erdo Yongo. She is a policy and advocate manager across the digital identity and mobile for humanitarian innovation teams. As part of the advocacy and policy team, she's working to create an enabling policy environment for mobile operators to ensure that mobile can be used to support identification of underserved populations and as a platform to deliver humanitarian assistance. Erdo is thus working with mobile operators development partners and humanitarian organizations to uncover and resolve policy and regulatory barriers that they face in providing mobile services to users. Erdo delivers the digital identity for the underserved and the role of mobile capacity building course to regulators and policymakers and represents GSMA at a broad range of events. Hello, Erdo. Hi, Oscar. How are you doing? Very good. It's a pleasure talking with you, Erdo, and I'm very intrigued to hear what GSMA is doing, in particular your work. It's a pleasure to be a guest on the show. Thank you for having me, Oscar, as well as Francesca. Thank you. So please, I would like to hear first from your own words, what was your, tell a bit about yourself, also your journey, how you came to this world of digital identity. Yeah, sure. So as Oscar stated, I am a policy and advocacy manager in GSMA's Digital Identity and Mobile for Humanitarian Innovation programs. However, before starting at GSMA, I actually worked with a member of parliament for a brief amount of time, which is a politician in the UK um, from a young age, as I had always had an interest in politics, especially whilst completing my degree in politics, philosophy and economics. This experience gave me a really good insight into the day to day of parliament, but I was still very intrigued by policy I always tell people that I actually ended up at GSMA by accident because I didn't know it existed until I saw a job being advertised by the Brokerage, a social mobility charity who do fantastic work in helping young people start their careers. So I was fortunately offered a job within GSMA's digital identity team. So that is when I was first made aware of digital identity and its potential. And I'd like to say the rest is really history. This was about four years ago. Okay, fantastic. As many other guests, actually, by chance, they discovered the world of digital identity and they found uh, it's a really, really passionate world to many things we can do for many people across the world. Definitely. So please remind us what is GSMA and also the team that you work there in GSMA. So the GSMA is a mobile trade association, meaning that we represent the interests of our members who are predominantly mobile operators. So annually, we tend to convene thousands of stakeholders from across the world at industry events. I sit within the Mobile for Development team who are funded by the UK government. 
and we work with mobile operators and the development community to accelerate economic growth and reduce inequalities using mobile technology, mainly in low and medium income countries. Alongside nine other programs, the digital identity sits within Mobile for Development. And again, we work with mobile operators, governments and the development community to demonstrate the opportunities, address the barriers and also highlight the value of mobile in accelerating digital identification. Yes. And why is mobile important in the context of digital identity? That's a great question. We feel that mobile is very important because of its reach. So in 2020, there was more than 5.2 billion people who had access to a mobile. There's no other platform that actually has the same reach as mobile. And we can see in the day-to-day that technology is providing people with access to life-enhancing services such as healthcare, education, social protection. And at GSMA, we feel that there's a range of opportunities for mobile technology. Not only that, but also for mobile operators to play a pivotal role in the development of digital identity ecosystems. For example, we believe that on the supply side, that mobile operators have a number of core business assets that make them ideal government partners to support the enrollment of the millions of people who across the world lack access to formal identification. Um, We know, for example, that In Nigeria, mobile operators have recently been approved to be government partners to enrol the millions of Nigerians who don't actually have any identification. We also know that on the demand side, that mobile operators can play a role in driving demand for digital identities amongst those who don't have an identification. Mobile operators can use unique customer data such as SIM registration and mobile money KYC data to create identity-linked products and services which are specific to people and in turn this will again drive demand for a digital identity. So there's a number of roles that mobile can play. How many have access to our phone? More than 5.2 billion people. And that also includes all type of mobile phones, right? even the the most basic ones. Even a feature phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge penetration for a technology per se. Definitely. And again, it's no other technology has that same reach. So there's so much potential because, I mean, I imagine in my day-to-day I go out, even if I have maybe forgotten my wallet, In this day-to-day, 2021, I can still actually purchase something using my phone because I have my phone there. So it's really amazing the opportunities that it really brings for citizens. Yes, I think it's more common to leave the the wallet at home, more common than leaving the phone at home. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean, this is just one example. I think there's an array of examples that I've come across in my work that really highlight this role. Yeah, and definitely that's what I would like to hear the most today. You mentioned, for instance, one case in Nigeria very briefly. Could you mention a bit deeper a few of these examples? 
Yeah, sure. So, for example, in 2012, UNICEF Pakistan conducted a study which revealed that barriers to birth registration could actually be addressed through application, a mobile application. So in order to establish a solution, UNICEF partnered with Telenor, who is one of the mobile operators within the country, as well as local government departments of the provincial governments of Punjab and Sidi. Under the partnership, they introduced community-based gatekeepers who acted as mobile and even stationary birth reporting facilitators. Telenor, the mobile operator, also led the development of a mobile app which digitized birth registration reported and provided SIM cards with data connectivity and Wi-Fi access. The gatekeepers that I mentioned earlier were equipped with mobile devices and official government secretaries were given tablets to help them perform the registration. So traditionally, what we were seeing is the birth registration process required an estimated of three trips to an official government office, and it took also two days to process. But as a result of this partnership between UNICEF, Telenor and the local government, it reduced registration significantly to just 10 minutes, and it enabled parents to register the births of their children without leaving the community. So this is just one example of mobile playing a, a role in making it more convenient for people to have access to, you know, an identification, because we all know that birth registration is really important because that is the first step as to which people are put onto a system. So through that birth registration, a person will then be able later in their life to actually register for a national identity card to access a digital identity. So it's a combined effort from, as you said, the operators, one operator there in UNICEF and the local governments, correct? So yeah, this is one example and we have seen the numbers significantly increase as we've seen people kind of take up this form of registration, digital birth registration. I also have another example, which is a bit more recent. So in Kenya and across many countries around the world, there is no interoperable platform to share health records across users and medical providers at the point of care. This makes it very difficult to ensure that patients are receiving quality care and a continuum of health care. So in order to solve this problem, mobile operators and tech partners are currently working to create a mobile portable health record. We know that mobile technology is a good platform because of its reach. As I stated previously, more than 5.2 billion people across the world have a mobile phone in their hand. So MNOs are also well placed to leverage their SIM registration data to uniquely identify individuals through a SIM card at scale. And this can be used to share records to enable secure health data portability with mobile 
and medical providers. Despite significant smartphone penetration in Kenya, this health service is designed to be available on US SD platform to ensure maximum reach to all populations. And again, this is another example as to how this service can encourage people to register for a SIM card in their own name and consequently access a digital identity because that is consequently required to access a SIM card in their own name. Okay. And in that case, in those cases, who pays for the SIM card? Someone is subsidizing that or? No. So typically, I would say a SIM card is free to access for people. So it would just be that individuals access a SIM card. But the only thing is that we have recently found in research that 157 countries implement mandatory SIM registration. So this is where a person needs to take a form of identification in order to register for a SIM card. What we are finding is this is quite a big barrier for people who want to access a SIM card rather than, you know, the money. Okay, you need to bring some identity to get the SIM card instead of this new initiative that some people start there having their identity with the SIM card. Yes, exactly. You need to bring your ID to register for a SIM card. And it's only once you have that SIM card that you can really access, you know, this platform such as the one that I was just speaking to, mm -hmm. the mobile portable health record. Yeah, two very interesting examples. One is into the public service. Uh, the second was in health healthcare. That in which other sector in more commercial or which other sector you have a, an example to share with us? Another example that I do have is from Zambia, but this is more so, again, probably will be from the NGO perspective, but I can share it with you. So over recent years, we have seen that there has been a growing acceptance to provide vulnerable populations with more dignity to choose what assistance they receive. This has led to an increasing acceptance of cash value assistance, yet NGOs and a lot of organisations are looking for ways to efficiently distribute such benefits, as well as to ensure that the distribution is um, delivered effectively. So in Zambia, the integrated social protection information system hosted by Smart Zambia supported the food agricultural organization in supporting the Ministry of Community Development and Social Services. The proposed solution includes leveraging Know Your Customer records, which is are provided to assert proof of identity when registering for a mobile money account. Through these records, it creates a dependable way of identifying beneficiaries as well as transitioning cash distribution towards mobile money with improved tracking and accountability. So in Zambia, at the moment, mobile operators are maintaining the KYC records of users and they are using them to verify recipients at the point of beneficiary identification. And so far, 6,000 people have received cash transfers from the government through mobile money, but a total of 16,000 have been verified through this process. 
So what we are seeing in this example is that digital identity is an assurance mechanism. It is ensuring that cash is going to the right person and is also helping the users improve user experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent, excellent. What would you say are the biggest challenges preventing mobile from playing a role in this development of digital identity ecosystems? Yeah, there are a number. I would say there are probably four main issues and I've already touched upon one of them, which is SIM registration. So as I was saying, in order to benefit from the services that I was previously mentioned, people need to have a SIM card registered in their own name. But as I have said, 157 countries currently implement mandatory SIM registration policies. So if people are without an identity, then it means that they are excluded generally yeah. from accessing mobile services. And I'm talking about the services that I have previously discussed. Another issue is around low digital skills in online or digital authentication. This tends to negatively impact a person's ability to maybe apply for an ID or even to use mobile services. So that, again, is one of the main issues which prevent mobile being used more widely. Again, the third issue is that there is still a significant amount of individuals, especially in low and medium income countries who currently don't have access to mobile technology. I know previously I was saying that more than 5.2 billion people have access to a mobile, but there's still quite a significant proportion of the population who don't have technology in their hands. And this could be for a number of reasons, such as affordability, etc. So that is, again, another main issue. And then I finally want to come back to a major one that I have seen in my work, which is really around governments. So many governments have a limited mindset and they are very unwilling to use mobile. I think sometimes it may be because they're not too sure of the potential of mobile and they're quite sceptic. But we believe that this is the future and that policymakers should really move away from the control to embrace partnerships with private sector and look to the future because considering the reach of mobile, it is only going to play a bigger role in the future and in digital identity ecosystems. So I guess the task of your group is to somehow influence also the governments who are less open for these initiatives? Definitely. So a lot of our work includes actually speaking to users, doing research on the ground in the countries that we work in to see what are their perceptions, what are their thoughts about mobile technology and digital and as well as the opportunities that they open. And we use this unique body of evidence to inform and influence governments and policymakers on the areas, on the perceptions of people who would actually be, you know, the recipients of such technology and such services. And also to understand more the role of your group, the GSMA and the group in, for instance, in these three examples that you went deeper, 
So in each of these examples, there were some actors such as uh, government, uh, mobile operator, and the um, UNICEF in one case. So what is the role of GSMA in overall in these cases? In these cases, we have provided, you know, maybe technical assistance as well as advisory assistance. We have brought them together a lot of the time because we have found previously that a lot of these conversations tend to occur in isolation from each other. So we tend to see that governments are working to address these issues alone. But we, again, feel that there's a lot of benefit in bringing these stakeholders together to actually collaborate on these issues because a lot of the time they want to achieve the same thing. So we bring them together. We facilitate these partnerships between these different stakeholders, as well as with additional things such as research, etc., to really showcase what can be done. And I guess the group is also looking for, I don't know if in these three cases, any of them was uh, initially proposed by GSMA or who's, who, who started, let's say, each of these projects. But uh, I guess your group is also looking for what is the next project in this similar to these two that can happen next? So I would say we, of course, work within the digital identity space and we do quite a lot of research and that informs us of, you know, the potential of digital identity. We merely bring stakeholders together who are interested in working on maybe such projects. And I wouldn't say probably that there is pre-existing intention that We're bringing X, Y and Z together to work on a digital health ID. It's more so we look at a market, we see what stakeholders are there and what is their interest. It's usually that they're brought together under the idea of, you know, they want to do something in the digital identity space. And then we really bring them together to have those conversations. We are not kind of pushing any projects, any ideas onto people. It's more so merely hoping to help stakeholders who want to achieve similar things or address similar issues together so that they can work together using digital identity to do so. Yeah, so I guess some of the projects has come and will come from those conversations, right? From those conversations between this. Exactly. I would say that the key ingredient is a willingness from all sides of the of the spectrum, because at the end of the day, they are going to be the ones who are implementing these projects. Mm -hmm. So, and I also understand in many countries, some countries have huge population and there are so many of these parties are exist in the same country, but they are disconnected. And sometimes I feel that there's distrust between the government and the private sectors. In both directions, there is some, some, somehow some distrust. So it's excellent the, the job that GSMA is doing to put them together in the same table, talking together and also bringing the technical advice and the identity, but also the your experience in policy making. So it sounds super valuable what you are doing. Thank you. A final question I'd like to ask you is for all people who are listen to this conversation, especially the ones who have decision power. So what is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? Mm, I think considering that a lot of what I have spoken about is 
in relation to mobile technology, I would really encourage people to think about, you know, their processes, specifically those within government more so and who are working on the digital identity area to provide those who do not have any identification. I would encourage those to think about the possibilities of mobile technology in the work that they're doing, maybe that it could provide them with a better process or help them actually in in providing kind of services to those who they are targeting in a more efficient way. But mainly, I would say, yeah, one of the things that I've learned from the work that I do is that just really to have, have that willingness to have that attitude that open attitude to explore things because there is such a huge potential in mobile and I think what we are really seeing currently is that partnerships are a great way to really explore the potential of mobile so please don't underestimate partnerships specifically when I think of public and private sector partnerships, that's my main takeaway. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm sure this conversation has inspired to think of how we can contribute to this task that GSMA is doing, mobile for development. So please let us know for people who want to learn more or they want to share ideas with you. What are the best ways to learn more about what GSMA mobile for development is doing and ways to also get in touch with you or with your team? Yes, sure. So you can find out a bit more about the work of Mobile for Development at gsma.com slash mobile for development. And then in terms of the work that my team and I that we're doing, you can first reach out to me personally via LinkedIn, just search Ed or Yongo, as well as Twitter. I'm on there. My handle is at YEDOR. I'll be sharing these all with Oscar. So, yeah, hopefully you should have access to them. Yes, absolutely. We put all these on the show notes of this interview. Okay, excellent. Thanks for that. And it was a great conversation with you, Erdo. And I wish all the best on your cell phone also in this fabulous project, Mobile for Development by GSMA. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Oscar. And can I quickly do a um, final plug? So over the next few weeks, we are releasing some reports in relation to know your customer requirements that have been relaxed during the COVID period to enable access to digital financial services. So I encourage your listeners as well as readers to check that out, as well as our access to mobile report that is soon going to be published. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at UbiSecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time, 